defenses. Initiate bank protocol. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, uh, those who are gender fluid, uh, non-binary folks who might be listening, everybody out mm-hmm. there, welcome to another episode of Bird Protocol. I'm your host, Palm Reader. And I'm Otis Morris. And also shout out to people who uh, may have amnesia and just don't know who or what they are. because. Yeah. That's what that's what we're talking about again, because we still haven't figured this out. We still haven't figured out who Jason Bourne is quite yet. Uh, no, we haven't. And uh, and and even by the end of this movie, he only really gets his real name and where he was born. Mm-hmm. Um, he doesn't even get his his full identity back. He gets parts of it, but anyway, we're we're here to talk about the second in the Bourne trilogy, the original Bourne trilogy. We're talking about the Born Supremacy. Um, that is uh, uh, a uh, 2004 action thriller film uh, featuring Robert Ludlum's Jason Bourne character. Although it takes the name of the second movie or second novel, its plot is completely different. It's a, a concocted plot um, directed by Paul Greengrass. Uh, and uh, it was preceded by The Born Identity, which we did last week, and followed by The Ultimatum the Born Ultimatum, which we're doing next week. Um, the Supremacy continues the story of Jason Bourne, uh, former amnesiac CIA assassin, uh, Matt Damon in the titular role again. And uh, and this film just kind of explores more of his past through a uh, kind of uh, framing slash revenge uh, story. Uh, of course, the CIA and other uh, international organizations are out to get him. And of course, uh, he just uh, relentlessly beats the ever-loving shit out of a bunch of people. Oh, yeah. In some cases, he Matt Damon legitimately knocked out that interrogator. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. So in some cases, he literally beat the shit out of people on set. So... Yeah, this one, this movie is insane because, well, for starters, um, bringing in new director Paul Greengrass, uh, you know, given the uh, difficulties and not necessarily difficulties, but sort of, you know, the way Doug Lyman did the first movie, the studio was not wanting to, you know, go through it again with him. And instead, they brought in Paul Greengrass and his con- contributions to this series cannot be understated and to the action genre in ho- in a whole. Yeah, like whether, this- whether you like it or you don't like it, uh, you can't argue the point that, it, that this film and the choices that Paul Greengrass made and the whole cinema- cinematography team and choreography team and everything, all of that is uh, influential and important. Your opinion on that... Uh, it, you can't does not negate the fact that it's important. It's like people saying like, I'm not a huge Beatles fan, but I know they were important. Right. Yeah. The, the, this is a point of contention upon, uh, among a lot of people. Uh, I said a pung, I don't know what a pung is among a lot of people. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and, and, uh, uh, but regardless of that fact, uh, this movie and ultimatum, uh, wound up, uh, uh, kind of, uh, uh, taking the certain ideas of of Lyman's film, and then kind of like mm-hmm. giving them steroids, and then 
Yeah. And then bringing this kind of like quick shot editing, um, fluid camera movements, um, uh, specific techniques. I mean, we'll get into it eventually, but mm-hmm. uh, we should explain uh, how, well, how this movie connects to the previous one. Um, at the end of Identity, Jason Bourne, he goes to uh, what I learned was Mykonos, Mykonos, how do, I don't know how you say it, but Greece to meet oh, up with, Greece. Okay. yeah, to meet yeah. up with Marie and, uh, and, and have a little life together. And uh, so the film opens two years later and uh, they're living in hiding in Goa, India. Um, and Bourne is still suffering from amnesia, but he's recording his flashbacks and slowly um, unpacking things. Um, mm-hmm. And then uh, you, we cut to Berlin, uh, a CIA agent uh, working for Pam Landy, direct, deputy director Pamela Landy, who becomes a very important character in the uh, following this film and the following film, um, is buying uh, uh, some files on a deceased, uh, uh, I think it was a politician uh, from mm-hmm. Russia, Nesky. Yep. Um, and the documents are on a theft of $20 million many years prior. Uh, but the deal is interrupted by a shadowy figure. Uh, and, uh, and later you find out his name is Kirill or Kirill. I don't know how to say it, pronounce it exactly. Who works. I feel like it's just Russian Carl. (laughs) (laughs) Carl. Um, uh, it's just Carl Urban. They're like, what should we call it? It's just like Carl. Kirill. Kirill. It's just evil Um, Carl. Yeah. Uh, who works for a uh, Russian oil oligarch, Yuri Gretkov. Um, he goes in, he kills them, he steals the files and the money, and he plants fingerprints, framing Bourne for the attack. And uh, and then he heads to uh, Goa to, to kill Jason Bourne and tie the whole thing off, uh, where mm-hmm. he makes a mistake um, and he kills Marie instead, sending Jason Bourne into a... Uh, not only is he mad that someone tried to come and kill him because he said at the end of the last movie, if you come and try and get me, I will, I will come to you. I'm yeah. bringing the fight to you. But they also killed his beloved Marie. And, yes. and then from there on, the movie is just him going towards Man. them. And, 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 uh, and I mean, there's you wind up on on uh, finding out that Jason Bourne was the one who killed uh, uh, Nesky and made it look like a suicide uh, murder suicide uh, and mm-hmm. uh, and you find out that uh, that uh, it wasn't actually Conklin who was in charge of Treadstone it was Abbott which they kind mm-hmm. of uh, Brian Cox's character who returns they they kind of explain it. Uh, in the or they allude to it in the first movie, but in this movie it's explained yeah. more. Um, and and uh, uh, Bourne just goes on on the warpath. And uh, I mean, he, like he doesn't even like he 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 doesn't even try to hide. He straight up goes to Naples to get caught. Like he hands him his Jason Bourne ID, knowing full well they're going to pull him aside, and that was his plan to get caught. Let them know I'm alive. And I'm coming to kill you. Yeah. Like it, it it was it's it was the fucking it's the John Wick scene where he says, like, I'm coming to kill you, basically, but he doesn't say anything. He just does it 
he just does it. Yeah, he like, just he just acts. Uh yeah. and then he winds up hacking the phone call of uh of one of the um diplomatic security agents. Which is the a, guy he actually knocked yeah, out. Which he is the guy actually, actually knocked, knocked that out. guy out. <laughs> uh and then he finds out about Pam Landy, he finds out about uh the fact that they're looking for them. Landy gets put with Abbott um and uh, uh ward abbott and they wind up working together abbott is the one who ordered nesky to be killed so he's trying to cover his pe- tracks there's a couple of different stories small storylines that are going on throughout this mm-hmm. um the oligarch is is got the 20 million dollars for setting up nesky so he wants to in, uh, insulate himself which is why he's sending uh Kirill, um, who works for the FS, uh, FSD or FSS or whatever, however you, uh, FSB. I forget. I, I don't know. I, I can't remember what exactly he says he is, but he's he's something. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, uh, and then yeah, Bourne just uh, goes goes crazy. He shows up. Yeah. Uh, he shows up in um, uh, where they uh, uh, they they he, he goes to Munich. He fights uh, the only other remaining Treadstone operative, blows up his house with a newspaper. Which I have to say, that scene, that Munich fight scene is, I think, my favorite fight scene in ever. Yeah. It is just the greatest, like, it is the, it's such a perfectly staged fight scene. It's in a kitchen and it's not like fucking, like, gratuitous it's not like dudes throwing knives and shit like it's not like john woo over the top it's like very practical the guy can like barely fight he's tied up he has a knife fucking matt damon fights him with a magazine which there was actual contention on the set rap if that actually made sense and the choreographer was like no this like actually makes sense and then like matt damon was actually like slapping people with the magazine they're like this actually hurts like this you would actually fuck somebody up if like if a like a trained killer of his like efficiency could definitely could definitely fuck you up with like a magazine could definitely rock you well and nobody and nobody was mad in the first one when the guy tried to kill him with the pen so like you know but anyway, right. Um, but this, also, this, can I just, the explosion? That explosion is also like one of the wildest stunts, like ever, because like it's just three dudes running up to the house as like Jason Bourne's already gone, and he has the house rigged to explode by like ga- uh, so putting something in the toe, putting the magazine in the toaster, it's a magazine he puts and lighting the, the gas fuse. And just waiting for it to go off times it perfectly for them to go so these three guys coming to kill born they just get blown back and the way they did that like such a small shot of just three dudes getting blown back is crazy because typically how they have wiring for like and rigged for those type of shots is like they just have like a body thing attached to them and then the wire just pulls them back and then they land on some like comfy mattress things in this one the stunt man what he did is he actually wrapped the wire around their body so that as it pulls it unravels and like sends their body fucking like contorting and flying in weird directions so that everybody actually has like a unique reaction to the explosion like the small intricacies and details in this movie are so fucking insane and like yeah, we'll, I'll come back to this. We'll like we'll back, talk about the we'll, cinematography and editing of this, yeah, but I just wanted to point out this one 
house scene, the fight scene and the explosion in particular is such fucking master class, like action filmmaking It is fucking awesome. Yeah. There are a whole, you can watch whole YouTube videos on, uh, not only the, and read actual academic papers on not only the, um, the, uh, uh, editing of this film, but also the practicality and the close combat scenes and the way that they mm-hmm. were choreographed and filmed. Um, this is a through line from again, what Lyman did in the first movie with the making it very practical, but they yeah. obviously wanted to raise the stakes. They wanted to make it mm-hmm. bigger. You can't have a sequel without, yeah. you know, raising the stakes or, or yeah, adding which is something. why Paul Greengrass got more cameras, more coverage. There's more, more everything in this movie, but it's not, it's not like, it's not Marvel movie sequel where it's, it's like, okay, it's just more enemies, bigger enemies, yada, yada, yada. It's still grounded, but it's stylistically more. And it like, it amps it up in just ways that you wouldn't typically even think of. Like, and we'll talk about it in the car chase in this one yeah. as well. But yeah, um, it's just I feel, I feel like this episode, we're gonna, to this I movie. think I think this one, we're going to talk a little bit more about the technical side of things, um, yeah. especially because there's bigger set pieces and bigger. I mean, we didn't mm-hmm. really get to it the last movie. Um, and I'm sure at some point we'll probably uh, talk a little bit more about the first movie and the way that, it, uh, you know, the, the comparisons and contrasting and stuff like that. Um, mm-hmm. But anyway, so after that scene, um, he, uh, 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 Bourne follows, uh, uh, a, a fi- follows, um, he learns that uh, Abbott was the head of tro- uh, uh, Treadstone by mm-hmm. following um, uh Landy and Abbott as they meet Nikki, uh, Julia Stiles character from the yeah. first movie. Um, and, uh, and so he winds up, he believes that the CIA is hunting him again. So he, there's the amazing scene of him, uh, calling Pam Landy from a nearby roof. And he oh, says buddy. he wants to meet, meet up with Nikki and indicates and says that she has to meet him here at this time, uh, and be alone and, Da, 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 da. and then at the end of the conversation he says yeah or well he says i want to meet somebody i know they have to meet me here blah blah blah. i want to meet nikki the girl from paris the blonde girl from paris blah 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 and then the phone call ends by him saying well of course you can get her she's a couple feet or she's right beside she's you she's right and standing right next standing right yeah. next to you and then he hangs up and they all freak out oh, okay. you can see it. that's so hard Two things about this scene that are fucking phenomenal. One, Julia Stiles, her character in the first movie, you assume she's just a random computer tech. You don't really know what she is, more or less. She doesn't really have much of a backstory. In this one, in 15 seconds, she establishes her importance, her very significant importance is that she is essentially the mental health advocate for all of these assassins. She is the one that she's the only one that these assassins from Treadstone, the whole operation can talk to about like the fact that they probably have night terrors. They don't fucking know who they are. It's crazy. Okay. So your CIA killing machine, your ego is destroyed. Mm -hmm. Your, your internal mental thing is that's part of the training to be You get a text, you show up, you kill without question, man, woman, child, whoever. Um, Anyway, so he winds up kicking. There's the second thing about this scene that is absolutely phenomenal. Right before they call her, when Bourne calls Landy, 
uh, somebody in the background says it takes 90 seconds to triangulate the phone call. The phone call lasts exactly 88 seconds. That's so sick. Mm-hmm. That's so sick. And yeah, they don't, that, and that, and that's another thing, the, the kind of grounded attention to detail type stuff um, mm-hmm. that this movie and ultimatum, uh, although ultimatum generally is viewed as the better of the two. Uh, and in my opinion, it is as well. The, this movie, mm-hmm. I, I'll get into the whole trilogy theory that I have. Um, uh, there are some trilogies that don't follow this, but certain films, uh, especially if they're planned trilogies, I find the middle one kind of falls a little bit in quality because mm-hmm. it's setting up a lot of the third stuff. But anyway, doesn't matter. This one wasn't a planned trilogy. No, um, but it's so. but it's still some in some way follows it. I think, but. Mm-hmm. Anyway, uh, so he winds up kidnapping yeah. Nikki in Alexander Platz uh, in the middle of a, a protest. Um, he winds up sparing her because she, well, she tells him everything that Con- that Abbott was the head of Treadstone, not Conklin, uh, and that she doesn't know why you're chasing him. And there's a very, he's got a gun to her and he's screaming at her, but he decides not to kill her. A good, good job, Jason Bourne. Uh, and then, uh, and she, oh yeah, and that she doesn't know anything about the mission that he remembers of killing Nesky. Um, and yeah, because that was his training mission. That was yeah. his prologue, which was extreme special ops. So dark ops, black yeah. ops. Um, anyway, so then he goes to the hotel where the killing took place. He starts remembering more of the stuff that happens that he killed Nesky and Conklin's orders. When Nesky's wife showed up, he shot her, making it look like a murder suicide, that there was a daughter. Um, anyway, at the same time, you have Danny Zorn, a character from the first show as well, Conklin's former assistants. He starts finding inconsistencies with the report of Bourne's involvement in the death of the agents. He explains the theory to Abbott, indicating that Bourne's fingerprints uh, were on the bomb that had not go off, gone off, and how how you know, that how crazy coincidental that is. And why mm-hmm. would he, why would Bourne come back and do this anyway? So then you see that uh, Abbott is not necessarily the good, the good guy. If you didn't know from his shady CIA uh, characters and the way that he's acted and all this stuff, he kills Zorn to prevent, uh, prevent him from informing Landy in a big double cross scene. He stabs him in the, in the, uh, in the stomach, in the neck and, and, um, Anyway, Bourne breaks into Abbott's hotel room, records a conversation between him and Gretkov that incriminates them both in the theft of $20 million. Uh, Abbott admits to Bourne that he stole the money, authorized the murder of Nesky, and ordered Kirill to retrieve the files, um, and uh, and then had Bourne framed before uh, uh, attempting to kill him and Marie in, uh, in Goa. Um, uh, Abbott begs Bourne to kill him. Bourne doesn't. Uh, and, uh, you know, in a very believing that his beloved Marie would not want him to do this in a turn of good that Jason Bourne does not want to be the mindless, heartless killer anymore. Um, and, uh, and he leaves his gun on the table. Then you have the infamous scene of Landy confronting Abbott and then he shoots himself, which first time I saw that was, I was like, holy shit. It kind of of blew my mind that he's just like, I'm just going to do it because I know I'm screwed, but you didn't, you don't really, he he real big R bud wire moment. Yeah. He's, he, he comes across as such a vicious, like, especially like shortly before him killing Danny Zorn. Yeah. You just realize, well, in the immediate after him killing that guy, he just like walks out and like, kind of like breaks down and you just realize like 
this man is like a coward. This man has been ordering people to murder for the first time, and he's just actually murdered for the first time, and he's a pussy. Yeah, he goes to the hotel, and he's like, "Where?" He's like, "What's going on?" He seems like dazed and stuff, and then he goes back to his own hotel room, which is when you have the Jason Bourne confrontation. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, Landy returns to her hotel room, finds the envelope containing the tape of Abbott's conversation with Gretkov and Bourne. Um, and at this point, Bourne travels to Moscow to find Vladimir Nesky's daughter, Irina. Uh, he wants to tell her that he her, her parents did not uh, commit a murder-suicide, that it was him, but he he wants to wash his hands of that. Uh, and then during that uh, that time, uh, good old Kirill is, uh, is taken from his uh, month-long vacation. Uh, it's like must be like three in the afternoon and he's in a neon lit uh, Russian uh, sex club or something. Um, and then, know. yeah, he gets called out of it. And then uh, the, the oligarch uh, Yuri is like, you told me you killed Bourne and he's, he's alive. He's here. You got to go deal with it. And then, uh, and then, yeah, then you have the yeah. uh, long car. Uh, um, uh, there's a, 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 a Kirill shoots Bourne. Bourne doesn't die. He escapes into a taxi. And then there is a huge uh, car chase again. Uh, Police Mm -hmm. involved and uh, Kirill in his Range Rover. They have a long drive car battle shooting at each other from the cars and bumping into each other and trying to cause each other to flip. And then eventually Bourne pulls the old... uh, 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 CIA uh, secret T-bone move and mm-hmm. uh, and just smashes his car and he leaves Kirill for dead because he's covered in blood and glass and uh, just slowly dying. He uh, finds Irina, confesses to the murder and then walks away. The film ends with uh, Bourne calling Landy. She, she, she thanks him. She says his original name, David Webb and date of birth and where he's from. She says you want to come and meet me? And Bourne says, get some rest, Pam. You look tired. And then it's a call back to the whole thing. He was there. He's there watching her. And then mm-hmm. the movie ends. And then you have the, ding, ding, the, the Moby song Moby. comes in. Extreme Ways comes in again. And you're like, oh, hell yeah. He, oh, went, fuck yeah. he went dumb hard. He's back in America. He's going so hard. And then the yeah. movie ends. Um, and so that's pretty Which, much the movie in, in a nutshell. Mm-hmm. Which that ending, originally the movie was going to end with him just leaving. He confesses to the daughter and then he walks off. And that's how the movie was originally going to end. But then actually it was Matt Damon and Paul Greengrass who came up with the idea of him calling Landy. Which then also, you know, such a minor thing, a better ending. And then also opens up the possibility of a third movie with just a quick two minute scene. And then also it would make, and then it also adds to the ending. Like if Matt, imagine Matt Damon walks off after confessing, murdering this girl's parents and just walks off into the bleakness of Moscow. And then Moby just starts playing. Like that would be the most fucking tone deaf ending ever. Yeah. Yeah. But him going off into like the craziness of New York city makes so much more sense. Well, and also it sets up, you know, the, the, that he is still watching them, that he is still, 
you know, it sets mm-hmm. up the relationship that winds up being, because the third movie is mostly about Pam and Jason Bourne yeah. with some other new characters. Um, the cast of this movie, Matt Damon back again, Jason Bourne. Um, you have Joan Allen as Pamela Landy. Brian Cox is back as Ward Abbott. Uh, Franca Patente is a Marie, um, but she's only in it for the first, like, 10 minutes yeah. or something. Julia Stiles, you got Carl Urban. God, I love Carl Urban. Yeah. Uh, he just he just is so sick. Uh, I just want to shout Absolutely. out Carl Urban because I just <laughs> love Carl Urban. Um, yeah. If you get a chance to watch Dread, that movie goes absolutely goes, so stupid. Boys goes. Yeah, he's good in The Boys. He's good in this. He's good in, uh, he's good as Bones in the Star Trek. Like, I just love Carl Urban. Shout out Carl Urban. Um, you got uh, Carol Roden as Yuri Gretkov. Gabriel Mann, or Gabriel Mann as Danny Zorn. He's a returning character. Um, there's a couple other people. Michelle yeah. Monaghan shows up. But she doesn't really have a lot of lines. She's Landy's number two agent. Uh, uh, you got Tom Cronin or Tom Gallup as Tom Cronin, Landy's right hand agent. Uh, you got the Oksana Akinshina. Is that how you say Akinshina? Is Irina Nesky? Yeah, there's a couple other people. But the main the main people we're looking at as Carl Urban, Julia Stiles. Brian Cox, Joan Allen, and Matt Damon. Everybody else is just kind of bit part. Oh, except yeah. for who plays uh, the guy who is, I got to pull up the INDB here, the agent that he goes to see. Um, like at his house? Yeah, 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 yeah. He uh, goes- Martin Kisaskas, which that that scene is interesting because in the script there's actually explanation of their connection like through treadstone was actually that guy he goes and kills in his house that was jason Bourne's driver on his training mission to, on in berlin ah that's why in his flashbacks jason Bourne, it's he's in the passenger seat oh it's martin backseat martin sokas He's, yeah. He was in, uh, he was the bad guy in the equalizer and he was Yorgi in triple X. Uh, he was in a bunch of other, other movies. Um, good guy. I really like, I, I really like, uh, him and what I've seen him in. He was in Sin City, a Dame to Kill for what, what else was he in? He was in Noah. He was in a bunch. He's just in a bunch of random movies, but I like that guy that he's always a Russian dude. Cause he's very Russian, but I like mm-hmm. him. Um, <clears throat> Anyway, uh, so that's pretty much the story. It's it's relatively straightforward um, because it's already you've already set up who a lot of the main players are. If you've watched the first movie, this movie just leans into a lot bigger action pieces, a lot uh, a lot more. Um, uh, they, as Otis said, a lot more camera work, a lot more cinematography, mm-hmm. uh, and but it also, still has the you know like the intensity to small scale stuff like the first movie like in the first movie when he's escaping the hotel and just scaling the wall like it's very intense like you still get that in this movie like when he's escaping again from a hotel but this time he ends up scaling a bridge and like sneaking around on a garbage boat like it's very very thought out and creative and it's not ridiculous it's not like it's not Jackie Chan fighting 50 dudes on scaffolding while it falls yeah. apart and he's like jumping platform and to platform. And also, also you see in this that Bourne gets hurt. 
Like that's yes. another thing. Oh, where yeah. It's like multiple points in the movie. He actually gets hurt, um, mm-hmm. which he did get hurt in the first one a bit. But this one, it's more yeah. because the actions uh, at the set pieces are bigger. I think it also works because in the first movie, he doesn't know who he is. And by the end, he kind of does. Whereas mm-hmm. this one starts and it's like it's been he knows two years. he's a killer. He like, knows he's a killer. He knows a bit more. He's got a bit more things figured out. And he's also, you know kind of like inhabited even though he's like i don't i'm not the person i was i still have access to all of these skills and mm-hmm. i've had time to live with them and to he's he has that book where he's been writing down everything that he remembers he remembers mm-hmm. apartments or he remembers names or he remembers certain agencies or moves or whatever like he's like to, has this like assassin's diary where he's like writing down all the things that he's remembering so obviously you know he's he is a higher level too. So yeah. he's doing more in this and, and it's accepted because he's not mm-hmm. the kind of doe eyed kid that he was in the first one. Yeah. This one well, he's and- like, well, you killed my girlfriend. You broke your promise. So you're not going to come after me. I am now in full uh, ballistic missile mode, heading straight towards anybody who's involved in this. And mm-hmm. he, and he does, he, he kicks a lot of ass. He does this. I mean, it's not, as like the third one really goes all out, like he's jumping yeah. between parkouring between buildings in Spain or something like that. It gets mm-hmm. pretty wild. Um, but yeah. this one, you know, yeah, I think it, the third one's in like Morocco or something like that. The, 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 this one you have, um, I wish my dog would stop barking. Mm-hmm. Uh, something's going on outside. Maybe the CIA is mm-hmm. coming for me now. Um, yeah, man. I'm a sleeper cell. Uh, no, uh, sleeper no, agent. You, you, <laughs> you've been floating money to Russian oligarchs. Uh, anyway, uh, movie. This movie to me uh, is in. It's. I feel like you have Paul Greengrass who comes on, who has these great ideas about kind of expanding upon the practicality and the. Well, that's the thing. Paul Greengrass. He came on and he understood what. Doug Lyman was doing and he even in the bo- in the bonus thing he says like Jason Bourne is real like he doesn't have secret tricks which is like we talked about last week like Jason Bourne could exist Ethan Hunt can't from Mission Impossible can't exist in reality Jason Bourne 100% could yeah and uh and and to be fair uh, I believe that Doug Lyman stayed on as a producer Am I am I wrong? I, I believe he's probably he's probably got to be credited since it are it, they are the characters that he brought to screen. So he's yeah, probably just, he's probably still credited as a producer in a thing. But I don't believe he had any really hands on effect. But Paul Greengrass was very very open in that you know the the blueprint was set of how yeah. to make a born movie and Doug Lyman did a perfect job. Unfortunately, he went over budget and over time, and the studio wasn't going to do that. And yeah. Paul Greengrass was able to, you know, make the movie, make the a born movie, but also appease the studio as well, which is the thing that sucks about Hollywood movies is that studios do put a lot of fucking money into these movies to make them. And they want to make movies that they want to see themselves and want to sell. Yeah. So, so the budget of the film, $75 million, if we're talking about a large amount of money going into something. Uh, and, uh, it did really, really well. 176, uh, million, 241,941 gross us Canada, 
the opening weekend, 52. It was a 52.5 million. Um, made it, it was the first number one movie at the time. The gross worldwide uh, was 290,835,269. Um, I'm not sure how often that, I think that's just the gross during its theatrical run. Movie did really well. Um, it was, uh, uh, you know, it did really well. The critical response of it has an approval rating of 82 on Rotten Tomatoes, average rating of 7.2 out of 10. Uh, critics consensus or site, the site's critic consensus called the film a well-made sequel that delivered the thrills, uh, on Metacritic weighted average of 73, generally favorable cinema score gave the film a grade of a minus, uh, Roger Ebert gave it three out of four, um, said Paul Greengrass treats the material with gravity and uses good actors in well-written supporting roles, uh, uh, that elevates the movie above his genre, but not quite out of it. Um, overall, generally people like this film, uh, and I sure do enjoy it. It is probably my least favorite of the three, but I enjoy all, th- all three of the movies. Like you can't really miss when a born movies on, if you want to watch like all three of them, they go. So I mean, I don't know, man. I think this one might, I, I haven't, can't remember the last time I watched ultimatum, but like, I think this one is my favorite. This one has my favorite, some of my favorite sequences. Yeah. Like, I, I think that, I think that Ultimatum, I mean, now this might change when I watch Ultimatum again tomorrow. So, yeah, exactly. or next week. So hold, I'm going to dog ear that conversation I'm for what I've right seen. Now, right now, as we're watching these together, like this one, I can say like is earnestly just like one of my favorite action movies of all time. Like, I know people detract the cinematography for it sometimes sometimes you know because they don't like like the shakiness of it and like the following movie as well but like it's just how it's just so good and it's done so perfectly like and again just like the last movie it's not overwritten it's not the plot isn't overly confusing for the sake of being confusing everything makes sense there's no really you know any any you know anything that's not like tied up is you know left probably for the for continuing the series um man i don't know there's just so many crazy things that like yeah and i mean to to like like, action movie wise i think action wise between this one and the first one obviously i would pick this one it also has the great you know she's standing right beside you scene it also has the really like intense Abbott uh, interrogation and Nikki interrogation and Abbott killing himself out of guilt and all of these things. Plus the motivation is more defined because the parameters are set in the first movie. Don't come after me or I will come and get you. And then seeing somebody follow on that, like we, if you listen to the John wick pod, our first one that we ever did, which at some point I want to redo because we've grown so much over the past two, three years that like, I feel like we could redo John wick one and John wick two and, and really, and John wick three, we could talk about John wick in general uh, and really kind of dive a little bit deeper into it. Um, But one of the things that we love about that movie is that that movie is, uh, you know, sometimes you want to watch a movie like, like, you know, 
falling down or John Wick or whatever, where it's like the unstoppable man is let loose and it's just enjoyable to watch someone exact righteous revenge or follow through on what they said. And Mm -hmm. in the first movie, he said, you know, don't come after me or I will come to you. And not only did they come after him in this film, uh, even if though it wasn't the CIA, not only was he re-involved in clandestine espionage operations and now being looked for whether and not by his will, uh, they killed this woman who made him want to change his ways and want to be a better person and put down the gun and not be that, that guy anymore. And they made him come, come back to the fold. And so there's that kind of like motivation that's very clear. And now it's like, you know, it's not just figuring out who he is and why people are hurting him. It's you broke, you broke the promise. You broke yeah. what you said. He's a man on a path of revenge, and like he's yeah. gonna, not going to stop anything in his way. And like you believe it, because like it's it, it's actually <laughs> I looked up IMDb facts. Matt Damon does not smile in this movie. Not once does he smile. His only smile is in like a photo of him and Marie, and that's it. Yeah, he, he himself a- never smiles. He has this dude is fucking cold, which is awesome is that Carl Urban also like replicates that because Carl Urban's character in the script, he was described as literally a mock born. So he's just Jason Bourne light essentially. Yeah. And he kind of, he has this similar, um, you know, just the coldness, like the, just the way, you know, um, at the beginning through India, the, just the, the the casualness of Carl Urban just walking through. He's clearly such an outsider, but like he's just like I'm here to kill. And like, yeah. Um. Yeah. The uh uh, and then to add on to it, you have kind of Greengrass approaching this in a lot more documentary style, uh, mm-hmm. um, by using a lot of handheld cameras. Uh, using the muted color palette, using the quick editing between multiple um, camera locations. Well, here's Uh, the thing. It's like that the first scene when it shows like the Berlin scene, like that perfectly, like it like perfectly ups the intensity and like just through camera style, like, like the way it transitions from like Berlin to Langley and like the use of like camera zooms to like when somebody's saying something, it zooms into them saying it, it makes everything seem more important. And there's so many fast cuts, like the Berlin, like the assassination sequence, like there's no scene that there's no cut that is like faster than six. Like if you count along, like if you go one, two, three, like most most like most cuts are one, two, three, four, one, two, three, one, two. Like the average shot length in this movie is 1.9 seconds. <laughs> and that's so, where the like, area of contention comes. That's, you that's miss where the, nothing. Even if you don't necessarily see it directly, you you know you there's so much coverage of everything going on. Yeah, and that's where this is where a lot of people have the issue where the contention comes from because some people believe that long form sh- like long shots uh and lingering and stuff like that is is 
um, uh, you know, you know, if we're talking about the Kino eye, the, the eye of the camera, the poetry that uh, yeah. comes from what is caught in the in the film um, and and having longer shots allows for more beauty to come for blah, 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 et cetera. Views ascribed to that way of thinking with filmmaking. I, I think that that's just as true. Um, I'm yeah. of I'm of the two minds where both of them work. You know, you, yeah, you I like, don't think that would work for this movie, though. No, I don't, I don't think, think so at all. Long takes would work. It's no, no, no. Just, I, I think that the, what Greengrass did is he took a lot of the stuff that Lyman did in the first one and kind of put it on steroids. That kinetic yeah. movement, that constant go, go, go. This the the cutting between different angles or different uh, or or cutting between like mid motion to a different spot. Like, you know what I mean? The way that it creates this kind of dance, this kind of kinetic energy that's moving through the film, especially in the fight scenes is something that was wholly unique at the time. Now, of course mm-hmm. you have people emulating a lot of it because of how, yeah. uh, because of this kinetic feeling that it created. And my point was, I think that both are equally as valid. I'm watching mm-hmm. devs right now, which is by the way, uh, I'll talk about that at the end, but uh, holy shit, it's awesome. If you like Alex Garland films, but he does a lot of lingering camera shots and that's to create tension, to create, mm-hmm. um, to add kind of like an abstract languid feeling to a lot of the scenes, to the things that are happening because the film is about, or the film, it's a show, but the the, the series, the limited series is about greater questions is it's a hard sci-fi series and having those moments to reflect and look at, you know, after uh, characters discuss something, having the camera slowly pan into a forest, uh, you know, it works because it allows you time to think about what just happened. It allows you to create this tension to think, was this conversation good or was it evil? What is the point of the things that they're saying? It's there's this kind of Mm -hmm. mystery that's put into it. Whereas this movie, if it was just one long shot, I don't think that it would Mm -hmm. carry the same energy, carry the same movement, the kinetic uh, urgency, the sense of immediacy Mm -hmm. and everything that happens in this movie, as you said, it's not like James Bond, all the stuff that are used in this movie are real. You could go and yeah. buy it. Like all of the things that happen in these action pieces are, there's no special CIA weapons or special this, that, or the other thing that take, it is based in mm-hmm. practicality. Uh, mm-hmm. And, and um, that kind of fast cutting documentary style appearance with the handheld cameras and the muted color palette and creating mm-hmm. this, kind of gritty realistic world yeah like he he would put the cameraman in the car with jason Bourne. he would have the cars like like especially i guess for the car scenes like he like yeah they had a camera guy in the car with them then there's also cars like cameras all over the car and also the way they did the car scene is that they attached the front of the car to like this weird fucking like go-kart thing that actually like rips fucking fast because prior to this they could only put a car onto like an actual platform that would be pulled by an actual other car but you could only get so you could only get up to like 30 40 miles with that whereas this like they can actually do the chase scenes at like 60 miles an hour which they're going they're going full speed 
in the scenes. Like this is not fake CGI. That's not a fake CGI tunnel they're driving through. No, they drove through that tunnel at that speed. Sure, Matt Damon's not physically driving the car, but there is a man two feet ahead of him that is actually driving that car. And Matt Damon is just reacting. And it seems natural because it's it was unrehearsed also, which was funny story that i saw in the special uh features is that the first few um car chase uh takes they did were no good because matt damon was just smiling like he was giddy like it was so fun he was like this was this was awesome i was actually ripping down a road like this is fucking awesome dude <laughs> and, that, and that calls back something that we talked about in the first uh in born identity pod is that a lot of um the uh in that film lyman didn't rehearse uh, mm-hmm. not only, uh, you know, the filming of specific c- scenes, they were rehearsed with the actors, but they weren't rehearsed with the filmmaking crew, which gave it a sense of immediacy because when something happened, the camera would look at it or yeah. if somebody was talking, whatever, I think Paul Greengrass took the kind of, um, foundation of what was being done and yeah. then applied it through his own lens to mm-hmm. a larger scale yeah. and then that and can't to the- all and not the just like not it's not all paul greengrass also have to give credit to cinematographer oliver wood and also the second unit director who did a lot of the actual car chase sequences it was actually directed by the second unit director don bradley who he had the idea of having multiple cameras stationed on the car in different positions. And he was typically one of the guys in the car with Matt Damon or Carl Urban going fucking fast and getting slammed up against walls and stuff. And and the machine they used, they actually called the Go Mobile, which is, uh, I guess, it's a universal designed thing that's it's like like i said it's like a weird go-kart where you attach the front of the car to it and it actually rips so yeah, yeah. just wanted to give credit where credit's due oh, there yeah. also Films. but paul greengrass yes no it was like as it was his directorial vision but you know gotta gotta shout out oliver wood and don Bra- or sorry dan bradley for what they also did in their respective positions um I guess I think I was wrong when I said uh, I wanted to correct something. I don't think she says, does she say where he was born at the end? Um, yeah, she says something. He was like somewhere from Missouri. Missouri yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, like that. that's right. That's right. I, I thought I misheard that. And I was like, I want to make sure that that was right. Because I know she says his birthday and she yeah, says she that his name is David Yeah, his Webb. name, his birth date, and uh, his place of birth, I think. Um, the... Uh, uh, Overall, you know, this film does a really good job of being a sequel. Um, my what I was talking about before with my trilogy thoughts is that I feel oftentimes with movies that the f- first movie is, uh, you know, they make it like an origin story. It's more of an origin story explaining things. The second movie, you know what's going on and the story is in progress and it's more just kind of like things in the way towards the end. And then the final movie is the big climax of the whole story, tying together storylines of all of them and oftentimes more care and painstaking effort is put into that. Would you see that with, you know, don't crucify me, but Lord of the Rings. You know, mm-hmm. I'm not you, 
but but the people of the world. Lord of the Rings is a good example. Um, but then again, now that I think about it, there are other f- other situations where that necessarily isn't true, where the second movie is way better than the third one, especially when they're unplanned. Like if you look at the Alien trilogy, Alien Terminator. and Aliens are amazing. Terminator one and two, those are sequels that are done. Yeah, incredibly Godfather well. Two. Like there are yeah. fantastic sequels. Yeah, there are. They, so I think I, maybe I'm wrong in ascribing that, but that's a general feeling for a lot of trilogies. Yeah. That the the second, second ones are typically, yeah, if it's not a planned trilogy, the second ones are usually really, can, can be really strong in some cases. Yeah, but if it's a planned one, oftentimes the middle one is the one that kind of like dips down a bit. Yeah, I I don't. Well, it's also like the middle, like middle episodes of like a season. Like they need to, like they need the budget out, so they need to have the big intro. They need to have some sort of middle conflict in the season, and then they need to have a big, um, you know, finale episode, which is like then that's where you get like bottle episodes, where it's a lot of just like dialogue and stuff, which like can sometimes be great like if it's done like an episode like the fly episode of breaking bad where it's just walter and jesse going crazy trying to find a fly in their meth lab like that and it has so much character like you can but then that requires a lot of good writing and you know when there's so much money being invested into these big series planned trilogies when they don't even have the first movie out yet like they end up a lot of these second movies just get filled with junk because they're like, yeah, well, whatever. We'll get them with the first one. Then they'll go see the second one because, you know, they saw the first one, but then they're going to have to see the third one because we're going to leave a bunch of shit. Like, yeah, we're not going to wrap it up. So then they have to go see the third one. Whereas these movies, I mean, the ultimatum was greenlit well before um, Supremacy came out. Um, that's partially why they went back and reshot the ending too, was that it was greenlit. They, the ending didn't, from what I read, the ending didn't, uh, uh, score well. And then the new ending was better. Yeah. And then they also greenlit the ultimatum. So they went back and they did that to tie it in. Um, but yeah, I mean, this movie is great. I mean, the, both of the identity is great. Supremacy is great. Ultimatum is great. I, to me, I really, I guess maybe it's my nostalgia. I have a little bit more of a soft spot for, for identity, but again, I haven't watched ultimate and ultimatum, but I haven't watched ultimatum again. So my rankings might change. So I'm dog earing that, but overall Mm -hmm. these three movies, great. Like from each going from one to one to one, fantastic. Um, the action sequences in this, the car chase at the end uh, mm-hmm. is, you know, they added on from taking a regular car chase through the streets of Paris to yeah. them driving around in Moscow. And in the first one, it's just the police that's chasing him. In this one, it's Kirill and his Range Rover and the police and they're shooting. And, you know, it's not just I'm trying to get away from the police. It's trying to I'm trying to get away from the police and trying to get away from being murdered by, um, you know, anti me, uh, anti born. Uh, and and it just is so crazy. Uh, and they just, it's just nuts. Um, yeah. The 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 fight scenes, 
especially when he goes to uh, Munich and he the fight scene with the magazine. I mean, that's that scene is nuts. Talk about close close combat and like immediacy and urgency, uh, and it's so well written. Um, and just the whole thing, and then the house explodes, all of it. That whole sequence, incredible. Uh, mm-hmm. him kidnapping Nikki and getting away from all the people that are watching him and then him escaping from the police and going, jumping off of the bridge, jumping between um, subway cars or street cars or whatever those are, and then jumping yeah. off the bridge and then using the hook to pull himself back up under the bridge and escape. Just the whole thing, like all of it is is elevated from the first movie. And I love when a sequel does that properly. Like I love, mm-hmm. I love when they you make the first movie and then the second movie elevates everything about the first movie while still paying reverence to it. Uh, yeah. Even if you have a little bit of like a a different taste to it, like a movie like Aliens, which is more of like an action sci-fi film with yeah. elements of horror, and then the first one is kind of like a horror straight up horror horror thriller thriller. sci-fi film yeah Yeah. and but yet they still build on each other and incorporate things and and build it out and build it out and build it out and it just works so well in Mm -hmm. this case you have it's not so much of a different type of film but it's just the the building upon the world that was created and building upon the story, it all makes sense. It's all still practical. Um, it still play pays reverence to what Doug Lyman was playing, was trying to do and incorporates aspects of what he was making, but it just builds it out in such a really cool way where it's both localized to the Jason Bourne story, but we find out more about, you know, it's no longer just the CIA. You have the Russian oligarchs who were involved yeah. with a deal with the CIA and then Pamela Landy, who's there to have oversight over whatever was happening because and investigate it because she, nobody knows what's going on because obviously Abbott is hiding everything under the rug and there's all these things going on where it builds it out, but it's still still about him. And yet, and it builds out his killing, killing ability, I should say, but, or his, his combat ability his 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 being a CIA assassin, but it also gives him chances at redemption or chances at him still showing that he, he doesn't want to be that person anymore, especially ending with him showing up and saying, look, I didn't want to kill your parents. I'm not who I was then, but I did it. They didn't kill each other. You know, mm-hmm. they weren't bad people. They loved you. Like he's trying to be a good person and there's some, some, you know, he's trying to free himself from his past, even though he just went on a killing, yeah. or not killing spree, but like, <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah, you know, he went on a revenge spree, but you know what? He had the, you know, he's trying to uncover this like international, like assassin syndicate pretty much that, you know, has fucked up his life and fucks up everybody's life that is connected to his life. Yeah. And I don't know, this movie, it's, yeah, fantastically uh, takes what the first movie does. It it builds upon it. It looks like the first movie. It feels like the first movie. It sounds like the first movie has the same composer. Um what, this movie has a unique look to it. It has a lot of green color yeah, the muted, to it. A lot of uh, like yeah, blues, a lot of cool very blues, muted cool stuff, greens. which was 
a kind of a thing that became popular at this time, like uh, between this movie and Saw, um, especially in the horror genre around this time, this sort of color palette in horror films became just the absolute thing where every movie was just horror movie was just drenched in green lighting and just green color palette. And this one, it works in this one because it connects thematically. Like it starts off like it, he's surrounded by a lot of green because they're in India. They're on a beach. They're sat, like they're surrounded by rainforest. And life's good. Whatever. And start, life's good. Life's good. But then got it transitions greens. through his flashbacks. His flashbacks are like littered in like neon greens of flight flashing lights that he doesn't get and then you know then it also connects like the cia office walls are all green like it's all it kind of it all connects and it's a very subtle it's very it's very nicely done and you know so it gives the movie a uh a, a unique look to it and make it makes sense like it's not just like well, and the uh, first and the first one to a degree did that too you know, the first yeah, one was, yeah. was uh, again, this is the whole like rooted in reality, practicality kind of side of it where the first one, it was muted grays. A lot of it, you know, there weren't a lot of scenes where it was very vibrant. It was, it was uh, that documentary style that, uh, and kind of like immediacy, uh, Im- not immediacy, the, the kind of re- realistic uh, attempt to sh- to ground it in the world. Um, Mm -hmm. but then green grass comes in and goes, throw some film grain on there. Let's use more handheld cameras. Let's mute the colors even more as things get more bleak. Let's, you know, and, and also I look, please don't put me on a list somewhere, especially right now. But I, I mean, uh, I think Russian winter is pretty bleak. I mean, it's pretty bleak here outside when yeah. it's cloudy and it's. Oh well, that was a huge problem as well. Filming in Moscow was apparently a nightmare for them because it was freezing and like it would get so cold they just couldn't like the it was like it was just couldn't get good shots because like it was so cold. Shit was freezing all the time. It was so foggy. And yeah, apparently filming in Russia is not fun, but you know what? I don't think anything's really going to be filming in Russia anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but anyway, the, the, uh, before we get out to get to our ranting and raving of things that are going on in the world, um, I don't know. Is there anything else you want to add to it? I think that, uh, uh, you know, this, this one goes, uh, Brian Cox does a great job. Um, mm-hmm. Joan Allen is Pamela Landy. Love it. Carl Urban doing his, his dang thing. Julia Stiles getting a, a juicier, uh, um, role and, and mm-hmm. existing. Uh, oh yeah. And he, Carl Urban was Aomir in Lord of the Rings. How did I forget that? And he was yeah. in Thor Ragnarok. He's been in so many things. Yeah. Right. He wasn't Thor. He was in Riddick. He was, a- he was the bad guy in Riddick. He's in Dread. He was in uh, Star Trek at Born Supremacy. He was in the Chronicles of Riddick as Vaco. As Vaco. He was in Lord of the Rings. Man, good guy. Love to see it. Good guy. Man, the boys, boys season, see, next season is coming out soon, isn't it? March or something like that? Or June? I don't know what, but yeah. I expect that. Of course, Matt Damon, you soon? know, the departed, talented Mr. Ripley, Goodwill Hunting, The Martian, on and on and on. Oceans movies, Oceans which we're movies. filming at the same time as this one. 
uh, uh, Last Duel yeah. recently, Stillwater. Uh, he was in, oh, yeah, The Great Wall. What a thing. Um, <laughs> <laughs> he was in Elysium. Tale, he's in tons and tons of stuff. Contagion. Yeah. I recently rewatched Contagion um, because I was like, I don't want to watch it right when it, you know, pandemic broke, even though everybody was watching it. Uh, movie movie rules. True Grid. He was in True Grid. He's in tons yeah. of stuff. Invictus. Matt Damon. Great. Matt Carl Damon. Urban, great. Yeah. Shout outs to Matt Damon. He. Shout outs to him. Got out of the streets of Boston. Good for him. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Franca Patente, she's in it for a minute. Um, yeah. And uh, a oh, couple yeah. other people in it for a bit. But, you know, the main character, the main cast, they're all firing on all cylinders. Uh, just really well done. Really well put together. Builds on everything from the first movie with bigger action scenes, uh, cooler combat, cooler stunts. But it's all practical. More stylized. Even more stylized. But it's still rooted in reality. There's no mm-hmm. trinkets. There's no special special CIA yeah. weapons or anything like that. It's it's just kind of like hard espionage and real close combat and stuff. You, you just love to see it. You love to see love it. it. You gotta yeah. love it. Anything else you um, want to add? No. About Born? No. Um, in terms of Born, well, we'll see you next week, I guess. Yeah, we'll watch. Um, uh, we'll do the, the ultimatum. I feel like next week we might talk a little bit more about all three of the films. We might go into the themes a little bit yeah, more. Yeah, I'm, per- I'm also planning on also giving Legacy and Jason Bourne a watch just because I don't think I've ever even actually seen those ones. Um, so... Not that those two will be our focus at any point, but I'm sure we'll probably, you know, have a little five minutes just to be like, yeah, this one was. Yeah, I would I would expect I would expect the last episode is going to be a long one. That's all I'm going to say, because, yeah, we'll be talking about Ultimatum. We'll talk about the two following films briefly. Then we'll talk about the whole trilogy, have the conversation of which one's the best, all this stuff. And then, you know, we might end off with a little bit of ranting and raving or whatever. But I would say mm-hmm. Ultimatum is where we're going to tie it all together. Plus, we're going to break down that film, scenes we like, yeah. trivia, all that good, all the all the good stuff. And then we'll talk about it. So, mm-hmm. um, but for now, we'll, we'll, we'll close the chapter on the Bourne Supremacy. We'll come back. We'll decide yeah. which ones we will rank the three of them. We'll talk about the whole thing. We'll talk about its impact. Mm-hmm. I mean... As I said at the at the start of the pod, um, you know this film uh, trilogy has been widely influential on on the action and thriller genres, um, and both technically and as as like uh, you know narratively and and storytelling wise, um, mm-hmm. and they were hits. They were huge. So we'll we'll Absolutely. unpack some more of the stuff that surrounds uh, the Bourne trilogy and the extra two movies and we'll talk about ultimatum next week but this uh, this that's that's pretty much the end of it now we can just kind of chat for a little bit about the things that are going on it's not Um, like anything really you know earth ending is happening right (laughs) no not at all so that's why i'm going to bring you uh two movie reviews uh no before we actually do that i like because last week i did actually want to recommend these movies so I will do that before we talk about the inevitable um, fucking Call of Duty mission that we're living through right now. <laughs> uh, so, um, in the past two weeks, I saw two two movies for 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 adults, 
for adult people alike. If you are a fan of uh, drama movies, perhaps period pieces, you may like this. Um, saw Licorice Pizza, the latest Paul Thomas Anderson movie. Um, if you know me, uh, you should know that uh, Paul Thomas Anderson is my favorite filmmaker by GTA far. Rules. He's my favorite. Um, yeah, Licorice Pizza is very much more in line with something like Boogie Nights. It's, it's, it's a comedy. It's not, it's, you know, with Paul Thomas Anderson movies, you kind of always, you know, grown to expect a dark turn at some point in his movie. And, you know, you get that, you, you do get some of that, but in this one, it's just, it's a straight up just funny comedy. And it's like set in the seventies. So there are some timely things that aren't, you know, necessarily appropriate, you know, most of the movie is about an adult having a relationship with a 15 year old kind of weird, but it kind of also makes sense. Like it's the seventies. Like, I don't know. It, I don't know. It's not, it's not creepy, but it is when you sit back and think about it, it's like, Oh yeah, this is a movie about an adult woman getting with a teenage boy. But you know, it has all this, has all the signature style and all the, you know, all the, all the things you've come to love from uh, Paul Thomas Anderson. Large cast, just beautifully shot, looks absolutely gorgeous. Probably, probably going to win. I hope it wins like best original screenplay because it, it was just a fantastically written movie. So go see Licorice Pizza um, if it's playing anywhere local. And then my second movie recommendation is a Japanese movie called Drive My Car, which I saw with Kenneth. And it's a three-hour movie that is probably the most depressing three hours of my life. Um, but it's absolutely beautiful. Um, it's kind of like, it does a similar thing as like Robert Altman's uh, Shortcuts in which it adapts, like that movie adapts a couple Raymond Carver short stories and like kind of like condenses it into like a one world. This one, Drive My Car does a similar thing, but with a series of short stories by a, a, a Japanese author whose name I can't recall right now. But um, it's fantastic. And it's just like, a, it's just it's just conversation and it's just well-written and it's just like, I don't know. It's just one of those, like, it's an adult movie where you're like, ah, yes. Like, I don't know. If if you watched it when you're like 18, you'd be like, why the fuck am I watching this? Like, this is stupid. Like, but then like as an adult that's actually lived life and has been sad about legitimate things and have had actual problems, you know, you you find like just a movie where it's just about like a man living life. You kind of, I don't know. It's 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 your standard typical foreign film that you know the Oscars love, but you know what? I also loved it too. And three hour sad movies are surprisingly my exact shit. That is my shit. Magnolia by Paul Thomas Anderson. That is my shit. That is my favorite movie. That's my shit. I will watch it and I'll cry and then I'll go listen to the Amy Mann soundtrack for like a month straight and just be sad, but I'll love it. And yep, that's my review. There you go. Um, well, I've, as I previously said, I'm watching devs, uh, on Disney plus on star. Um, I love Alex Garland. Uh, speaking of dread, he was involved in that film, wrote it, I believe also rumors that he was 
partially involved in directing. I think he was a producer right. too. Um, but, but the fucking uh, what? Um, uh, Ex Machina and great uh, film. Um, and the the one with uh, Natalie Portman, right? Never Let Me Go. He wrote. I think. I don't think he directed it. He did Ex Machina, and he did. Oh, oh, Annihilation. That's the one you're talking about. Annihilation. Yes, yeah, Annihilation. Yes. Um, both all Ex Machina. One of my favorite movies of all time. Um, I mm. just love that movie. Uh, and it it just makes you feel. Uh, yeah, that it, movie, like Oscar Isaac's fantastic in it. But Alicia Vikander is so fucking good. In yeah, that movie. It, you, you, you. It, that movie does a good job because it makes you kind of. Uh, love makes you like, kind of want to fuck a robot yeah yeah that's yeah let's get i'm just i, I don't want to say it it kind of makes you horny <laughs> for a robot and then and then you find out that like oh man no she's like ruthless and then you're yeah. like oh oh damn like because you kind of emphasize or em- empathize with dom hall gleason's character because you're like wow like she's like really flirting with him and like really really get really like Given intent, and it turns out it's all. I don't want to spoil it because we may do an episode on it. But anyway, great movie, and it's such a good movie to watch because it is uh, suspenseful and it's hard sci-fi and it it plays with your head, and that's you know what Alex Garland does. Um, and uh, and then Annihilation, which is trippy, crazy visuals, hard sci-fi. There's a a bear that has a skull face that screams. In the voices of human beings dying, it's terrifying. It's terrifying. It's it's one of the most terrifying things on screen. Yeah, ever. it's it's that wild. That that movie is wild. Um, and yeah. so I didn't realize we an episode on annihilation. I as didn't. Well, I, that ending, that entire ending sequence to this day is still fucking crazy, dude. Yeah, like so. I think now I'm thinking about. I'm just like that's crazy. Like that's just. So I I had heard the discussion of devs. Um, but f- since it was an FX show on Hulu for a long, and it came out, I believe 2019 or 2020. And I remember everybody saying, Oh, this is crazy. This is wild. Um, and I was like, well, I can't watch it unless I pirate it, but I don't really have the energy to pirate it. And there were other things to watch. And I just never got around to it. But anyway, I, I knew Alex Garland was involved in it. Um, I didn't realize that he wrote and directed every episode. Oh, nice. Uh, And uh, yo, it's, I'm not done it, but I'm really, really digging it. It's like a 10 hour movie of his uh, and his visual choices for cinematography and the way that it's shot uh, I mean, it's a smaller budget than a, uh, uh, well, actually, I don't know if it's a smaller budget than a movie. Cause I think, F, I think they believed in what he was doing. Cause they let him pretty much steal this or steer the ship, um, and sail the ship the way he wanted to. But, um, it's about determinism. It's about quantum physics. It's about quantum computing. It's about being able to, see and hear the future in the past it's about uh humans and human mortality it's uh i don't want to give too much away but it's 
and there's like also in, uh, industrial espionage uh, and people getting tortured and it's just wild. It's wild. I'm not, I'm not all the way into it, but there is a point where so far where they managed to using a quantum computer, see a, a rough vision of Christ's crucifixion. And it's, Jeez. it's, yeah, it's wild, dude. I, I can't even really like, I'm not done it. So I can't give a full review, but so far everything that I've be, been watching is like a hundred percent my type of shit. Hard sci-fi right. Alex Garland. Um, the uh, uh, Nick Offerman is in it and he is outstanding. He does an incredible <laughs> job. Um, everybody. It's just wild. It's, I don't, I can't yeah. give the ending cause I don't know what's happened yet. I'll report back. I'm sure next episode, yeah. But so far, absolutely love it. If you have a chance and you like Alex Garland and you like hard sci-fi and you like really philosophical and, and wild stuff, quantum physics, all that, all that wild, you know, questions of our reality, yeah. questions of determinism, all that stuff. This is your, this is right up your alley. Mm -hmm. So far, so good. I'm really Dude. enjoying it. Well, I'm going to, I'm full. I'm going to take your recommendation because this is, it's been a show that I've been like eyeing. I didn't know that it was written and directed by Alex Garland, but that is a 100% you've got me sold. I'm going to go check this out. But also this is something that we both learned about this week is that, which is also going to be yours and mine, like absolute shit is they're doing, they're making a fallout series which is going to be produced and directed by Jonathan Nolan. And so far the lead star attached is Walton Goggins. Yeah. hundred percent. What? hundred percent. So fucking much our shit. Yeah. I yes. know. I, I remember when I sent you that message, you were like, what? <laughs> it's hey, uh, yeah, that's going to be, that's going to be it. I mean, speaking of fallout, um, I guess we got to get to I mean, the, we're living it. I guess like, I guess we got to get to the the uh the, the actual the elephant in the elephant in the room. Um yeah, it's been an interesting week. Uh I got to say it's been a, an interesting time. You know, it's a couple of days ago finding out, you know, that uh uh we're looking good as far as coronavirus and it looks as though by the time the summer comes around we will be mask free. We will be, uh, you know, or at least we will be in far less uh, risk yeah. that things the will be open. The whole bullshit we'll, situation yeah, we'll be, in Ottawa has come to a wrap and, you know, yeah, come, I, I, they're gone. I yeah. think, I don't know. I, I don't know. If you turn on the news, you, you don't know what's going on except anywhere. Uh, in, uh, except the, the That's all you know. Yeah. So, so. But, you know, you had the the people, the protesters. Well, I'm going to bring, because I, I don't know if I said, I mean, yeah, I said the last week I was saying, you know, just go home and take some time, think about stuff, which I still believe, man, there's a lot of stuff that I'm seeing out there of people kind of just soapboxing, talking about tyranny and the things that are going on. I hope that what's happening in the Ukraine might give you some perspective of what real tyranny looks like. Mm -hmm. Um, but, um, but you know what, on the topic of them getting, getting shut down, uh, I just want to say, you know, the prime minister came out, said on the weekend, we're going to, we're going to come, we're going to arrest, we're going to take your trucks. We're going to do all that stuff. If you leave before the weekend, you're cool. Go, you know, you're good. 
I mean, I'm sure they're on a list or something, but the, you know, you, you yeah. can go. Um, and all the people chose to stay and they entered the second stage of the statement, fuck around and find out. They entered the find out stage. Um, and, and they got found out. They got, yeah, they, they found out that, you know, in reality, you're not really oppressed in reality. You're not really, uh, uh, facing tyranny. You're just breaking laws in reality. There are consequences for your actions. Parking your truck in any street for three weeks will get you yeah. probably arrested. not to the fucking capital. Yeah. Go, go um, try, go, go park your truck in front of the fucking Kremlin. See yeah. What see what happens. <laughs> um, man. So, you know what? And the emergency act was brought in. It was certified by our political system. And then after they were taken away, it was shut down much to, uh, my much to my uh uh enjoyment watching everybody the day that it was shut down the morning it was shut down all the right wing nut jobs tweeting he's going to keep the emergency act on for for 30 days and he's going to install a new regime and he's going to do all this stuff and they're just doing it so they can consolidate power and take over stuff i don't know what world these people live in because like why would you think that? Like, why would you be like, uh, yeah, Trude- Justin Trudeau? I don't think they understand what the emergency act was. <laughs> I like, I, I don't think yeah. these and people then, had any basic understanding of anything, really. You have all, all morning people talking about the tyrant and the oppression and all this stuff, and they're going to leave it on for as long as they possibly can to control us. And then Trudeau comes out at like three in the afternoon or one in the hour, whatever time he came out. And he's like, yeah, we're going to, we're going to, close that down now it's been dealt with and just watching everybody mentally like the gymnastics and the like losing their mind trying to explain it was just so it's just go home no he's a nazi leader he's a he's a Go Isn't home. he trying to control us and put us into a police state? Isn't yeah. he? I thought, well, how would he? Uh, no, he lifted it and it's he done. Lifted okay? it and it's because done. You because were in a state of emergency because you surrounded the fucking Parliament Hill in the capital of Canada with your dumb fucking trucks. And we're like and you assaulting made any people. policy getting passed impossible because nobody could really move throughout the city. You shut a city down yeah, for, for- horseshit. For three weeks. And that's the thing people say it's tyranny. Like I said this last week, if it was really a dictator and you pulled up and parked all your trucks there for like a day and started like screaming at people on the street and started assaulting people and doing all that stuff, a real dictator would have been like, all right, just go shoot him. Yeah, you know, I mean, like, to, apparently just, they were freezing bank accounts, which is kind of fucked up. If that is true, I that's fucked up. But, like, yeah, whatever. You know shit. what? Like, I don't fucking care. <laughs> I, I've, yeah, I just think the whole thing, I don't know, the fact that they got away for three weeks with, like, chilling in Ottawa with trucks parked and they were having concerts and they were yeah. all hanging out like illegal protests like if you want to protest go to a park go set up in a park like yeah you can't shut down a does. city like, you can't attack people you can't honk your horns 24 hours a day um that's against the law it's against the law it's against the law for everybody it's not just you guys it's against the law for everybody and if you were told you had till this time to leave that on this time we were going to come and we were going to do what we had to do 
And, uh, and then sure enough, all the right wing U S stuff, for some reason they gave a shit about us. Don't know why. Uh, and, uh, and they made it into Trudeau being a tyrant and all this stuff and everything. No, no, no. It's called the law homie. Like there's no tyranny here. The only tyranny is you guys assaulting nurses going to work, you know, like, why don't you just chill and, and they could have left. You could have left. You could have not even had gone to jail, got arrested, done all that stuff. But instead you entered the find out part of the equation. Mm-hmm. You fucked around for three weeks. Now yeah. you found out. Good riddance, now good luck. The public eyes on you is gone. Your 15 minutes of fame, international fame is gone. Now it's gone. No one cares about Canada anymore. Canada yes. is not in the news anymore. So, so this unless week, it's by affiliation with NATO, yeah, that's that's the only way we're in the news now. But no one gives a shit about Trudeau, and it's all about the Ukraine now. Yeah. And you know, everyone's sending their thoughts and prayers to the Ukraine, which, you know, historically, what have thoughts and prayers fucking ever done except for you know just make you look good on Instagram? Yeah, I think okay. So I'm gonna I'm gonna here's so firstly just to round out the thought we had the start of the week with the truckers ending and then you know good news coming about coronavirus and things getting better and and you know so it was on the upswing uh and then and then that bald muscly freak over in in russia decided to without provocation start a war with the ukraine and try to invade it um i mean like it's not without like no there are reasons is, there are reasons there are re- like and this is the thing is people are just like so why why are they doing like that dumb idiot lady from fucking 90210 if i was your father or mother i didn't no I, lady you if don't you were her mother you would be fucking giving this guy kisses his praises this is what he was born and bred to do this is a cold-hearted kgb murderer he was bred to fucking take over the world this is exactly what he was fucking going to do and like the last 30 years that like the russia's been treated since the soviet union's collapsed it's like it has only just been a bubble, just like, just waiting, just waiting. It's like, what's the thing? What's the thing? And turns out the thing is they just really want the Ukraine back. And guess what? They're going to fucking run people over in tanks. Yeah, I think, well, I mean, there is a reason. There's obviously a reason for it on their end, but it was not provoked by the Ukraine. That's what I meant by the Ukraine no, didn't no, no, do no, anything. No, not for sure. No. The people of all, Ukraine didn't do anything. The people of Russia, no, a lot of them don't want this to happen. That no, it was, Ukraine is 100% the victim in this, as are the civilians of Russia, too. Like, they're also fucking... Yeah, suffering too. It make no mistake. You have to separate Russia from the Russia regime. That is, those yeah. are two separate, completely separate things. There's Russia, the country itself, the civilians, the regular people, and then there's the Kremlin, Russia, Putin, his fucking oligarchs and kleptocrats. That in, for a communist country, it's strange that you're living in a fucking palace while there's a whole family in squalor that can't get fucking potatoes. Yeah, strange I how mean, that works. It's, uh, it's fucking l- dumb, people, ugly fuck. People I hate Putin. Fuck him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a sentiment that I feel as well. Um, and uh, and you know, it's it's just crazy to me that in, I mean, 
it's not crazy that like because of who he is and because of what his goals and intentions are and have always kind of been that he he pokes the 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 beehive uh and then he says i've got nukes and i've got you know you can't come and do anything you can't get involved the one thing that i and i hope that i don't live to regret this and eat my words but the one thing that i'm seeing is that um it's not really going as he wanted it to uh i think that in an in in a situation where like a lot of the a lot of there have been whole platoons of russian soldiers who have deserted and and become either allowed themselves to be become prisoner of the Ukrainian forces or have just deserted altogether because I don't think they realized that they were going to go in and kill civilians. I don't even think yeah, they realized they were going to go. There also is a part of the Rus- Russian soldiers that are 100% ready and willing to kill Ukrainian civilians, which they are. I saw a fucked up video of a car trying to get out of fucking Kiev and a tank a Russian tank turns its direction and goes and crushes the car, killing whoever is in that car. I, I assume you would be dead getting crushed by a fucking... Like, that's so fucked up to... Del- like, that is... That's a fucking war crime. Yeah, it's like, war. It's, that, you, it, that is indefensible in any possible, like, way. Yeah. And, like, and it's fucked up because now... This is on TikTok. This is on Instagram. This yeah. is on Twitter. Well, I saw I saw another war crimes yeah, in I saw live another video of uh, of of a girl on a bike get hit by a missile, and it's just it's fucking, you know it's this is people the, going out in the streets and shoveling body parts. It's fucked up. Yeah, dude. it's not. This is not uh, like to be really serious. This is not like. I'm sorry. This it's not a thoughts and prayers moment. Yeah, sorry. It's, it's 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 wild to me to watch this happen in the information age and to see to be to be able to see the things that are happening. I I am in, encouraged because it seems as though um, I mean I think that there's a difference that a lot of the Russian soldiers who are going in there. Um, yes, there are the psycho people but from what the general thing that i've heard is that a lot of the russian soldiers are there's an issue of morale because they i mean a lot of russians view the ukraine as a brother country and as uh, they have family there and stuff and they're Mm -hmm. going over and or they know someone with family or they know people that they like who are ukrainian and they're going over there and i think initially when it started the targets were military installations and stuff like that and uh-huh. then the violence just continued forward. And now you're seeing yeah. civilians being hurt and homes. There's a video of a fighter plane shooting a missile into a home. And it's yeah, just I like saw that one. It's just like, like it's wild. And to it's me. like it's fucked because like it, it's it is fucked up because at the same time, NATO right like lining the Ukraine with like armies and infantry in support of nato and then russia is also like well why are you doing that it's like well you're you're lining your border like what this is just the appropriate reaction to like and then it like then this goes back this goes this is cold war politics this is 50 70 fucking years in the making okay like you can't you're not gonna fucking come together and then like 
not to mention all of like Russian and Ukrainian oligarchs and kleptocrats and how they've stored all their money in London banks and throughout the United States because the United States is laissez-faire as fuck with their banking. Yeah, fucking and also laws. like the Russian so, or also the Republican Party is pretty much like a sleeper agent for Russia. Yeah. So it's it's and just it's like we've helped these rich Russian oligarchs get richer and richer and richer. And now we're like, oh, well, how'd this happen? It's like, yeah, you literally have given them this exact avenue to you, get richer and richer yeah, while the poor get poorer and poorer. You, it's you like traded, the most extreme case. You traded it. their you gave them their ability to be uh, unbelievably rich and unbelievably powerful for a. a a, a hefty paycheck, but to them it's mm-hmm. pennies. And so mm-hmm. people are bought off and sold and all this stuff. This is, as you said, a long time coming. There's a lot of history behind it. I just, I hope that um, as things are coming in, it seems as though the Ukrainian forces have been able to take back some of their spots. So they've been able to destroy uh, quite a number of tanks. There is the ghost of Kiev, uh, whether that's propaganda oh, yeah, or the not, high, that, the fighter jet. Apparently. Yeah, that that look. I don't like war. I don't. I wish that this isn't happening. But I love it when somebody sticks it to a bully. Like a nice, and, nice folklore story. Yeah, know? I I love it when whether someone stuck and the name name Ghost of Kiev, and you're a fighter pilot and you're just yeah. knocking Russian airplanes out of the sky. God damn, I salute that guy. <laughs> um, and it's also a thing. Here's the thing. I also want to mention it very earnestly is that. If you're not one of these fucking assholes online, that's just like thoughts and prayers, hashtag, oh, end Russian, whatever, and you actually want to help out. In a case like this, please be very careful where, who you are sending your money to. Because when you are dealing with Ukraine and Russian people, if depending on which organization you're sending your money to, you might be sending your money directly to Russia. Yeah. So or, or please be very, very careful. And that's there not, are, you know what? The corruption is fucking, it's to the roots of uh, these countries. And that's like, not, it is, that's, it sucks that, but it is foundational in their culture. And it, it's, and that's what the Ukraine is trying to get away from that Russia is now just being like, no, 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 you're staying in our horse shit forever. Uh, and it's another, that's a good point for like all things, you know? Yeah. If you want to actually uh, initiate change, please do your research to who you're donating to or to if you're sharing um, charities or whatever, make sure you do your background check on it. Make sure you look, there's ways to find out online and stuff like that. Um, Another great thing is that uh, hackers around the world have joined the cause of, of disrupting Russia. Um, And so far it's just been sanctions from the larger Western countries, you know, Putin loves to wave around his nukes. I'm hoping, please, God. Dude, you want to know what he's... He's not even waving around nukes. You want to know what the, uh, the head of the Russian space fucking administration said? They might as well just... They might fucking crash the fucking International Space Station right into the fucking Earth. That's what the space the guy of Russia said. He's like, yeah, you know, they don't appreciate us, so we might just crash international space station on earth it sound like, like dr evil who the fuck are you <laughs> yeah no that's what i was going for like that's the most dr evil shit ever like that's crazy dude that's yeah. an actual plan that if all else fails they're going to crash the international space station into america india or china which is just like those are 
all terrible decisions and that's the end of earth as we know it if they do do that but like they're obviously not but like just the audacity to say something so yeah. like movie villainously batshit crazy as well, crash international space station into and earth. i mean the thing is is that like people is that you know if it were to go to that level it would be the end for everybody like it wouldn't mm-hmm. it, that's the thing is that like it's not just our end it's theirs and people love to say oh he's crazy oh he's he's blah 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 but like i he's a cold calculated killer dude but i think he's but he's also not he can't you can't rule the nuclear wasteland you know what i mean yeah. like there's no there's no win to that yeah. it's, if everybody's gone nobody wins and it's not yeah. in the case of in the land of the blind, the one-eyed man is king. It's, there's nothing. There's no, there's nothing. It's the end. It's the mm-hmm. period yeah. at the end of the sentence. And I think that a lot of people understand that. Um, but also he's built this personality of being this like evil, calculating, blah, blah, blah. And he, we have nukes and this, that, and the other thing. But I I don't think it'll come to that. Um mm-hmm. I, I really don't. I don't believe that that's going to be the outcome of of this. But it because there's always that fear in the back of people's heads, you know, people are worried about about it. But this is such a complex and big, horrible thing that's happening. Um, you know, I don't mind. I, I really don't mind people who who I think the the idea of thoughts people thinking that thoughts and prayers does something is or is that's the like minimum requirement to virtue signal that i Mm -hmm. care about something is stupid but i also don't think there's anything wrong with saying my thoughts are with the people of the ukraine you know what i mean yeah no no like obviously that's the thing i hate is that like the virtue signaling itself is a stupid phrase to be like oh you're virtue signaling it's like having virtues of good thing that's a good trait to have is to have virtue like yeah but if fuck? it becomes but if it but, becomes the the that that you're you don't actually have that you just want to be seen as exactly that. is that this it's this insincere like thoughts and prayers it's like well that's just an insincere phrase that's just that's just three words that people say just generic like that's a automated response that's not a like an actual thing like yeah so know, like I, I, I just like, I think that right now it's just I mean lazy. it's, it's lazy. so much is happening I and so much is going on I don't want to go on forever about this although it is like a historic event I'm tired of living mm-hmm. through historic events um, yeah I know. but but I know we've been I've like I've been in war seventy percent of my entire life like we've been at war yeah like, and just all these whether and it's Iraq the Afghanistan pandemic the like protests the, like, all of the things that are being rooted out that are need to change there is plenty that needs to change I'm I am not saying that there are not good protests or there are not good forces at work in the world things that need to change but between the climate the pandemic the social injustice yeah. the violence the war it just feels like it's a never-ending... Uh, hey, even if you still think Trudeau's a tyrant and you want to protest about it, go ahead. That is your right in a country. Just protest properly. Just don't be you can't a dick. shut a city down in that case. Yeah, don't and attack people and shit. That's so yeah, wild. Yeah, don't attack people. 
and yeah, Russia stopped yeah. attacking people. <laughs> it's I, <laughs> I don't I, know what my, to say. Yeah, my truly, honestly, my thoughts are with the people, uh, especially yes. because of seeing, being able to see these videos and social media existing, um, and seeing the horrors of what's happening and how horrible it is. Seeing families being torn apart. Seeing. Uh, but seeing people standing with a uh, uh, standing up against a bully, and stand and I wish safety and and all and and this to be resolved quickly. And I I I hope. I mean, it probably won't, but I hope uh, for the sake of all the people who live there, the young people and the old people, the families, everybody. I hope that it it uh, it doesn't escalate. It doesn't continue to be. Uh, I don't want any bombs dropped or like big bombs dropped or anything. I just, it's uh it is a, an anxiety inducing time, but we are living through history and we should talk about it. I just wish all of the refugees safe travels, all of the people who chose to stay. Uh, mm-hmm. I, w- I wish you the best, the bravery, the, the balls on some of these people, the cojones is outstanding. Like that, that Island where the guy was like, the Russian warship pulled up to snake Island in the Ukraine and said, everybody on the Island, you put it, put down your weapons, surrender, or else we're going to pretty much blow you off the map. And the guy came on the loudspeaker and said, uh, okay, well, you know, fuck off Russian warship. And then they got blown off the map, but just imagine how, how that's, how much that's balls. That's, 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 that's badass. Uh, rest in peace to those absolute legends standing up to someone who's just being a bully for the sake of being a bully and to make a point on the world stage and to secure resources or whatever the hell is in his mind that he figures that he's doing. Uh, I salute all of the people who are standing up to it. I wish war wasn't a thing. I really do. Um, and I wish this wasn't happening, but, uh, you know, got to talk about it a bit. Because it is. Yeah. And it's going to be a confusing time because this conflict is just going to unravel into more conflict. And yeah, there's going to be, yeah, this is going to, even if, even if the Ukraine, Asia, it's going to be, this is, this is the rest of the year. This is, this is what the rest of the year is in terms of politics. Yeah. And even if they do, even if it does get resolved, say the Ukrainian forces push Russia back. Putin's going to try and do it again, or China's going to go after Taiwan, or there's going to be a new alliance formed, or there's going to be political instability. There's going to be things going on. It's, it's, it's just a clusterfuck. It's, Uh, it's wild anyway. So that's been going on, um, on let's pivot to something a little bit more lighthearted. Uh, well, uh, here's, Here's relative to Wastelands. Um, just started playing Horizon Forbidden West. Fantastic game. Um, only played like six hours of it, but so far so good. Love it. Looks beautiful. That's that's that's. What I just want to say that. Yeah, I was gonna say yeah, that was what I was gonna pivot to. Was oh, that, really? uh, yeah, I was nice. gonna say Otis got got Forbidden West, and I believe you've ordered Elden Ring. Is well, Elden Saturday? Ring will probably be here. It's probably at my front door as soon as we finish recording this. So nice. I want to go and play that and just immerse myself fully into that. Um, I kind of want to also just like play, I don't know. I, I hate that Horizon and Elden Ring came in such 
they literally came out a week apart because these were like my two most anticipated games. And I would have liked to have been able to just sit down with one for like a month and then go to the next one. But now since I have both of them in like my possession, like that's just not possible. Like I, I don't have the restraint to have not to not do that. Like that's crazy. Yeah. Um, so I'm really stoked on those games. Um, I'm st- I'm still deep in cyberpunk. Oh uh, yeah, cyberpunk. I put more hours in the cyberpunk. The PS5 version is still fantastic. Yeah, still, still sick. Still sick. Uh, I'm loving it. I'm loving all the changes that they've made to it. Uh, I'm just loving how it plays. I'm enjoying it a lot more. It's so, uh, just the world is so amazing. Like just driving around in night city is amazing. I'm still finding parts of night city that I didn't know existed. Mm -hmm. Uh, I can't wait to see what they do with more updates too. When they add more to the NPCs and they add more to the world and DLCs and everything. Uh, really stoked on it. Still really enjoying it as much as I was last week. And um, that's really great. There is some music I want to talk about that dropped. Uh, first and foremost, I wanted to tell everybody to check out the um, FTI Studios. They dropped an EP, a celebration EP. Um, it's uh, You can find it, FTI Studios, on streaming services. Um, you got, uh, uh, blue blazer. That's why it's Emerson Corleone and Wednesday and Flixo, uh, really digging that track. Um, there's a, a bonus, know your way Emerson and, uh, the misprint. There's a, a track from Shoop. There's, um, just a bunch of cool stuff on there. Flixo, Joey Latrick. Uh, what's this one here? The, uh, there's champion Eero and Shoop. So there's two Shoop tracks. Uh, there is a, uh, constant momentum, which is, I believe, uh, the artist is, sorry, I just want to pull this up. I don't want to, oh, it's just so the name is so long, so it won't show the name. Uh, anyway, there's a bunch of artists on it. Shoop, um, uh, Joey Latrick, Flexo, Wednesday, Emerson Corleone, the misprint, uh, Cody Drake. That's who the, the other song is. Uh, so shout out to all the FTI crew for putting out another EP. That's great. Uh, also Wednesday and Flixo dropped uh, downfall, uh, which is the first single off of Wednesday's new album. Shout out the boys. Uh, we also got, uh, some good music last night at midnight. God don't make mistakes. Conway, the machine, Griselda just firing on all cylinders. Uh, Tana Talk 4 from The Butcher is coming soon, but Conway did not disappoint. Um, lock and Load, Conway the Machine and Beanie Siegel. Crazy. Wild. Tear Gas with Rick Ross and Lil Wayne. He's got Wild mm-hmm. Chapters. John Wooflick. John Wooflick with the whole Griselda crew. Well, not the whole, but Conway, Benny, and uh, Westside. Um, yeah. just, I listened to it. while walking the dog. You can't, Griselda doesn't put out bad records. Uh, yeah. pretty, pretty much there. It's just different levels of great. I had to sit with this one for a while to really give my response, but I listened to it. Walking the dog thought about felonies. So they succeeded. Um, yeah. there's also ghetto gods, earth gang. I love earth gang. Uh, I think that they're super interesting and cool and they do really, uh, you know, their own, they're in their own lane. They're doing their own thing. The beat on the song, Billy with future 
especially the first section when they first come in is nasty. Uh, they've got Jid J Cole on the album using soul child. Uh, they got CeeLo green, Ari Lennox. Um, there's just a tons of good features future. Uh, and the songs go, they're fun. Uh, they're, it's just earth gang all the way through. I haven't listened to all of it yet, but the songs that I have heard, I really enjoy and I love earth gang. So if you love earth gang or you're a fan of dreamville and that type of rapping, the kind of unique voices that they're gathering, check out earth gang, ghetto gods, check out the rest of them, uh, the rest of their discography and all of the dreamville people. Um, also Kodak black dropped back for everything. Haven't listened to it, but, uh, I'll, I'll definitely talk about it next week if it's worth uh, chatting about. Um, yeah, I don't know if I'm missing anything else. Am I missing anything else? Um, uh, was there no, no, else? no. I, guess those, I listened to the new Kanye. It's very nice. I like it. You did listen to the new Kanye. No, Conway. Oh, Conway. I, I was like, Conway. I was going to talk about Yeah. Uh, no, I don't. I did not have the. I found a link to a YouTube video of like the uh, performance, but then by the time I got to it, it was taken down already. So, oh, another thing that uh, I mentioned before earlier in the summer of last year, uh, Jazz Cartier dropped the Fleur print. Um, which was uh, an album I enjoyed. He put out the Fleur Print Volume 2, which is a five-song EP that goes, uh, it's, I guess, the the deluxe version because it has both the uh, Volume 2 and the original Fleur Print. Haven't gotten a chance to listen to it, but I love Jazz Cartier, so, uh, you know, shout out, shout out Toronto. Um, yeah, there's a couple other things. I mean, there's a, 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 the... Uh, uh, if you like UK Drill, Central C, Avril Lavigne is back, I guess. I don't know. I haven't listened to it. Um, I don't Didn't know. Didn't she die? No, she's here. Uh, and she's back did, with... Uh, did you ever hear that rumor that Avril Lavigne was like cloned? Yes, I did. Yeah. Um, and of course, the people who are on it are... Uh, oh, Mark Hoppus, Hoppus is on it. That's that's pretty sick. Yeah. Yo, shout out him for beating cancer. That, I don't think we ever said that, but like we both love Blink One Eighty Two, and I'm glad that yeah. he, I'm glad that he made it through that. A couple mm-hmm. months ago, he announced that he's done the chemotherapy and he's he's looking good. And shout out him; he's in, seems like a nice guy, and I'm mm-hmm. really glad that he. Uh, yeah, no, Mark Mark Hoppus. Yeah, seems like a very nice guy, and also yeah, no, very influential to me. Love him. Blink One Eighty Two is probably a very important band, as silly and dumb and as not talented as they are they're very very influential and travis barker is a kardashian now which is so cringy absolutely so cringy his relationship with the kardashians and uh machine gun kelly is just gross it's just very gross celebrity behavior and i want to see less of it I would love. I mean, just just keep keep your warehouse of pop punk kids where you just produce pop punk weird rap music. Like, keep doing that, but like, please just like stop talking to TMZ and like taking weird photos. Like, stop. Yeah, you're weird. It's gross. 
Uh, yeah, yeah. There's a lot of cringe with the whole Machine Gun Kelly, and I mean, don't get me wrong. There's songs off of Tickets to My Downfall I really like because I like. I mean, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Just make make the pop punk music. The pop punk music is great, but like, just like you know, you and Megan Fox don't need to go and do like vampire. Not a fucking Knicks game. Like <laughs> you don't need to do vampiric stuff at a Knicks game. Uh, okay, the last thing I want to talk about is uh, the last thing I want to talk about is another egotistical maniac threatening to do something that he probably won't. Donda two. Um, uh, so Kanye West uh, supposedly, like, I just want to know. Look, I like Kanye's music. I don't get me wrong. I mean, yeah. I'm not, I'm not here. There's definitely been a downward trend, um, but after life of Pablo, but, but, you know, Donda was pretty good, uh, a little bit too long, but I liked a lot of songs on it. Um, yay. I mean, there's one or two songs I like Jesus King. I have a very negative opinion of that album. Um, but you know what? Here's my opinion. Uh, I don't know why. I don't care whether you want to hear it or not. I'm not even going to talk about Kanye West. I'm going to talk about Kanye West fans. Kanye West said Donda 2 is coming out on 2-22-2022 and was like, mm-hmm. yeah, we're going to do it big. It's going to come out and everything's and everybody lost their mind. And I was like, have you not learned anything from every other Kanye release? It's not going to come out. He's like, oh, no, it's going to come out. We're going to do a live show. It's going to be great. It's going to be amazing. We're going to have this. Oh, Future is executively producing it. Oh, here's a song with the game. And it's, you know, it's back on Kanye West being a bit of a bully and he's having a mental breakdown because of uh, Kim sleeping with Pete Davidson because for some reason that makes him That's feel <laughs> feel he's going on like on tirades on yeah. social media having public meltdowns at the Super Bowl yeah, punching some dude or some some dude who asked for an autograph or some woman who asked for an autograph pushing her just going absolutely nuts which we already know Kanye has a mental health problem he needs people around him who aren't being paid by him to tell him he needs to, to calm down to maybe to go to a therapist, take some meds. Um, you know, there's that, I hate to say that Pete Davidson's right, but there's that clip going around where he says, you know, Kanye should just take the meds. Kanye gets up on stage and says, I'm, I'm the real me. I'm off the meds. And he's like, if I was on a plane and a pilot said that, I would be like terrified. I would jump off because a pilot came on the intercom and said, it's the real me flying the plane. I'm off the meds. Like that's terrifying. Right. Yeah. But for some reason, for some reason, he's, he's surrounded himself by these people who, uh, whether it's because of reverence for his creativity and his influence or whether they're being paid. I don't know if anybody's really calling him out, but you fans, people he said, I want to give, I want to take the power of the music back to the creator. So you have to buy this $200 stem player to listen to my album. And that's how you're going to hear Donda too. It's not going to be any streaming service. It's not going to be anything like that. I, the billionaire, am going to make you pay more money to me so for that you can obsolete technology. Yeah, for, for technology that maybe in a, a couple decade years obsolete <laughs> yeah he's selling he, an overpriced mp3 player make no mistake about it that's all it is it's just an mp3 player 
preloaded with his album. That's all well, it is. It's, it's, it's an, it's a stem player, which is not anything new. It's like a, you load, not the songs, but the stems into it. And then you can do little effects on it, which is cool. You know what? I can also do that on my phone and garage band, my laptop, my, yeah. you know, it's really cool that he, that there, the, the idea of the stem player is really cool. And I like the, I like the fact that you can play around with it and stuff like that because I love playing around with music. Don't, don't get it twisted, but how yeah. you, he hasn't even a dropped it. He dropped listener it. of Kanye. Like you had, there's no purpose for you to have that. Like him saying he <laughs> wants the power of the, of the music to be back in the musicians. Then he should start his own streaming platform that pays people reasonable amounts of money. I don't know. Remember that time he owned a record label? Yeah. And it's <laughs> Remember like, when you owned a record label, but then didn't pay your own artists? And yeah. And, and shelved he, Big Sean's album for how long? Yeah. It's uh, just. Sci High, the Prince's album has still never come, never out, come out in 10 yeah. years. It's, it's like, wild <laughs> to me that people were like, yes, daddy, Kanye, I'll buy, I'll spend $200 plus on this stem player so I can listen to Donda 2 because I believe you when you say you're giving, you're shifting the paradigm and putting money back in the artist's pocket. Bro doesn't need money. If he really wants to help artists, he could help artists. He just mm -hmm. wants to, he wants to, he's masking his own narcissism and greed in this idea of helping artists and going, I'm savior. I'm changing the game. Most artists don't have the millions of dollars required to build a company and then build their own music player and then mm -hmm. put their own music on the music player and sell it for $200 and build a website, ship it, do all that stuff. Most artists don't do that. The only artists that do yeah. are artists that are already at the level where they don't need music anymore. There are artists that reach a certain level and go, I want more money. So they start investing in real estate. They start investing in restaurants. They start investing Ooh. in clothing lines and their money doesn't come from their main the source of income. Doesn't or something. Yeah. They like, only play like something music adjacent. Yeah. Like and they only play big, big festivals. They or arena tours. They're no longer in the level of like, I'm, uh, I'm they've, they've surpassed. There's a point where yeah. artists have to to make yeah, more no, money. Kanye and they have to invest wants and to act like he's like in like a small indie artist that's like small and like you know is just starting out trying to like maintain. It's like no, you've already gone. You are already farther established than anybody else could possibly get their career. Okay, you are one of the most talked about people on earth. And there are far more prescient things that people could yeah. be talking it's, about. And then the thing is that he hasn't even. He still constantly is just, and it's like, you are in such a high position of power. The only person to blame for your lack of money and income from this shit is yourself, dude. Well, the thing is, is that people 20 bought years it. Of, of music industry experience. You've owned a record label. You know the ins and outs of this. You've owned comp record of uh, clothing companies. Yes. So you know make meaning, like, make meaningful change. Building a stem pit player and and then charging people two hundred dollars to get the stem to get the stem player and listen to your album isn't meaningful mm -hmm. change. You can only do that because you're rich and you're well known. Yeah. Some but then small artists starting do that. beef with owners of tech companies on Instagram isn't the way to get investors either. Like, 
Yeah, it's and, just and, so, and I can't. A person that these, pretends to be so business minded, he's so business fucking stupid. Like it's some of the dumbest behavior yeah. ever. It's like, and then on top of that, it's the Kanye fans who are going to excuse and ex and yeah. allow and come up with uh, excuses for and reasons for his the way that he's acting. He made you guys all pay two hundred dollars for uh, a cool little toy. Then he didn't even, I, I guess he has released all of the songs now, but the songs that he released are just the versions from the live show, which aren't even the final versions of it. And they have mistakes and they're poorly mixed. There's problems with them. Originally, he only released four songs and I listened to the Ford songs and they were pretty boring. So like, I don't really know what the, you know, I think this is just him stroking his ego and being rich enough to do that. Oh, I changed the game by having listening parties at stadiums and people can come and listen to the listening parties at the stadiums. Oh, yeah. Let's listen to your perfectly mastered songs through the reverberation of fucking stadium sound. They're not even perfectly mastered. To listen to music. The first first Donda show, none of the songs were complete. And then the second Donda show, they were a bit more complete, but they weren't finished. It wasn't until the third one that it was like, okay, this is pretty good. And then he still didn't want to put it out. And then the label forced him to put it out because they were like, stop. And then now that's why he's like, I'm not going to release. I'm going to do it the way I want to do and whatever. And I get it. The power of the artist, blah, 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 blah. But don't be so gullible. You want to support an artist that needs support? Go to my band camp page, you know? Cut me some slack. (laughs) Like Kanye West could buy everything in your life right now and not sweat. He's a billionaire. Me, you know, I'm, I'm a regular person. I have bills to play, pay and things to do and dreams of my own. Go support local artists or smaller artists or whatever you want to put. Not a man that actively keeps lists of people he doesn't like. Yeah, this whole, the whole Kanye thing is insane to me. If you have a STEM player, good, great. I'm, I don't really care. People can do whatever they want to do, but I just think the whole thing is silly and kind of dumb. And it's kind of like a trick being, I feel like it's kind of a trick being played on Kanye's fans because they've been gaslit into, into believing everything he yeah, does. Is like they good. deserve the worst. Like if they all like pay hundreds of dollars and feel robbed of their money, money then good because again you You, again fuck around find out or another one of my favorites play stupid games win stupid prizes so (laughs) you know this is that's that's pretty much it i just think the whole thing seems like a grift uh i i truly i think i probably kanye feels stupid because he should have just dropped finished the album and dropped it before because now all now this he's, no, he's on public nobody, eye. Yeah, nobody cares. So, nobody you know, cares. you you played yourself. Congratulations. Um, I hope that the album comes out in full and I can listen to it and say it's great, it's good, it's bad, it's whatever. Um, but uh, also, if it doesn't, then I'll pirate it uh, and I'll tell you right. if it's great, it's good, it's bad, it's whatever. Um, um, I, that's yeah, pretty much I it. We went long. Yeah, we went oh, long. Because, well, I mean, sorry, there's a lot of stuff going on between... Uh, Kanye, Putin, uh, the the truckers getting shut down, all that stuff. There's plenty of things to talk about. Next week, there will be less ranting and raving and more talking about Ultimatum, the two extra films. uh, Legacy, Jason Bourne, and the overall, our overall feelings of the franchise. You know, the franchise. You know, just 
I think we're really just going to gush of how important this series is to action, cinematography, editing, so many different aspects of filmmaking that a lot of people would not consider those films to be the uh, catalyst of these many uh, um, stylistic uh, decisions that we now like have just, they're just commonplace in film and what. Yeah. And anyway, yeah. Uh, yeah. Know. And then after that, I don't know what we'll do. We'll figure it out. We'll do something fun, probably yeah. a video game of some sort or a show or a music, uh, probably music or video games. will will take a step away from, from, uh, you know, visual, visual, uh, uh, and talk about something else, but, uh, that's pretty much it as per usual, please check out these things happen from anxiety weekend. The second single is coming in March off of my new album on infinite repeat. Also pressure palm reader, the album version of pressure along with some other album singles are coming at the end of March or April. Um, I've got a lot of music to share with people. Check it out on the cemetery sound soundcloud or anxiety weekend and palm reader on streaming services uh you got anything you want to plug no uh just otis morris dude on twitter where i will be uh just sharing my thoughts on the ukraine uh, on a daily basis and just um sharing interesting articles about klepto kleptocrats and money laundering and yeah finding out you know just things like that i don't know get to the bottom of it yeah. all right and uh you yeah. find me yeah. at plmrdr on twitter at P-A-L-M-R-E-A-D-R on, uh, that's Palm Reader without the last E on Instagram. Um, and yeah, we'll be back next week for Ultimatum. Sorry we went a little bit long. Hopefully you guys found this uh, somewhat interesting or maybe you just shouted at us. Whatever, let us know. Yeah, also, you hate us, start a discussion with us. Message us, actually talk to us if you think we're stupid and we don't know what we're talking about. Yeah, I mean, we are. Or I mean, send us a meme, and, you know, if that's your opinion, then so be it. But, um, yeah, discussions you know, are fun. Yeah, discussions are good. And uh, and also, thank you to everybody who's been watching or who has been tuning in, not watching. We're not on video yet. Uh, but who's been listening, who's been tuning in, our numbers are, uh, even in the first two months of this year, we've already almost reached well, we've surpassed the halfway point of plays last year. So nice. everybody who's tuning in, thank you. Thank uh, can't wait to see where this goes by the end of the year. we got plenty of weeks ahead of us, plenty more things to talk about. And yeah, don't be a stranger. Hit us up, Twitter, Instagram, send us an email, whatever. We'll be back next week for Ultimatum and a little bit of chat about legacy and uh, and Jesus Christ, that's Jason Bourne. Um, <laughs> but yeah, all right. Initiate the protocol. Peace out, guys. Peace.